the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Wednesday, August 7th. Hi, everybody. I'm Audrey Salveson. Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Francis at USU Football Practice Day 6 of Fall Camp is nearly at its completion. It is a lighter practice today. It will be an actually shorter practice today as it will start at the same time, which, well, I guess it did, 2.45 p.m., but it will end earlier. I've been hearing 15 to 30 minutes earlier than the 5.15 normal time that they have been running. Uh, they are in the stadium today, so if you have some time, you can drop by and see the last few minutes of practice. Otherwise, you will see them Thursday and Friday, and then you will not see them until... Uh, next Saturday, all their practices are closed, including their first scrimmage, which is uh, this upcoming Saturday. And then you won't see them until the 17th at 5 p.m. for Family Football Fun Day held at Maverick Stadium on Merlin Olson Field. Kids, parents, everybody's welcome. It is open to the public. It is free. So make sure you get over there. Utah State Aggies getting ready for Wake Forest Demon Deacons Friday, August 30th at 6 p.m. Uh, we will uh, dive into the... Defensive backs today, um, well, well uh, the starting lineup is not a problem. It's what's after the starting lineup that you're kind of concerned about. Uh, Eric is up there at practice today, so he'll come back and give us some feedback. Uh, he's on his way here to the studio uh, to uh, break down what he saw, especially on the defensive side. Uh, we'll also get into our movie quiz. It's Eric's turn today, so he'll try to stump me in that. Uh, we were supposed to have Mr. John Oglesby on the air today to talk about uh, the Utah High School Athletic Association, in more particular, the transfer role and the new RPI playoff system. Uh, that is actually going to be postponed till tomorrow at the same time, 4.30. So no Mr. Oglesby today. He'll be here tomorrow. Or I guess, excuse me, he'll be on the air with us tomorrow. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on that. So I apologize in advance. He, uh, he had something come up, so we had to move it one day further. So hopefully you can... Hold on for another 24 hours, and then we'll get them on. And again, we'll talk transfer rules. We'll talk about that new playoff system again. If you're a region champion, it doesn't matter anymore. They're going to take the top best teams. So if St. George has four good teams, that's going to knock out one extra team, maybe two extra teams out of another region. Uh, the regions are a bit different this year. We'll get into that probably tomorrow. Uh, and, and talk about what region 10, 11, and 12 look like. But there is some differences and a huge gap between Northern Utah and getting to where the next region is. Um, that's right. There's no Juan Diego, no Spanish Fork, no Lehigh, uh, no Orem. That, all those teams are wiped away. They've moved up a class. And so it's, it's different now. And, in fact, it actually might benefit Region 11. We'll get more into that tomorrow. Again, 4.30, Mr. Ogilvy, Oglesby will join us. That has already been confirmed. Uh, I've just spoken with him, so... We'll, uh, we'll get that ready for tomorrow. We're very sorry we won't have him on today. But, uh, again, tomorrow 4.30 here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, Eric, again, is at football practice. He's on his way back to give us the deets on what's going on over there at Utah State. Day 6 of fall camp. You know, when I was thinking about after the show, I was doing some studying on this on this uh, defensive side of the football because I knew we were going to be talking about the defensive backfield. It, losing Jamarcus Ingram really does hurt because, I mean, if – Really, by day two of fall camp, he probably has his starting spot guaranteed. 
And now that he is no longer a part of the program, someone else has to step up. Now, I'm not saying they can't do it, but having Ingram there would have been at least a starting body, and then you can have people fill in the gaps from there. No Baron Gorkowski. Remember, he is now retired from football due to injuries. Um, He just... He couldn't do it anymore and didn't want to risk any more uh, future life or health. And so we, we, we definitely can understand that and wish him the best as he moves on from the football aspect of his life. Uh, so this, this again, the defensive backfield, the starting lineup looks good. It's that depth that you're really worried about. I mean, you have Troy LaFredge Jr. Uh, you have a couple guys here and there. Um, I God, Maybe even a freshman takes the spot. Uh, again, uh, Eric is at practice today, so he's been staring at that defensive backfield. Should get uh, a pretty good update from him on what's gonna and what his thoughts of what he saw, and maybe what his opinion, what the depth chart can look like at the safety cornerback positions. Uh, as well, on a uh, Wednesday, we'll, we'll get into some NBA talk, a little bit more FIBA World Talk. MLB baseball is uh, starting to close down its regular season. What does the standings look like right now? Uh, and playoff contention for playoff teams look here in the future. New York Yankees, for as much injuries as they've dealt with, they continue to still be one of the best teams in the league. And that's that's an impressive job in, in a division that they're in. Um, I, always, I always feel like the AL East gets a lot of grief from people just because it's... You know, it's not, um, they don't think it's the toughest division, which I still today think it is, despite the uh, absolute runaway that the Yankees are as the leader in their AL East division. Hey, we'll also talk a little bit more college football, not just in Utah State, but also in the country. Uh, Dabo Sweeney came out with some pretty interesting comments about the SEC, more in particular Alabama. Uh, Saban had talked about the grind of the schedule that is the SEC uh, death row that it is. It, it's a gauntlet from LSU to Georgia to, I mean, it's you got Auburn there. You've got every game in Texas A&M, Missouri. Every game is just a really, really, it, it's a dogfight. And so Coach Saban came out and said that. He said, you know, the, the whole 44-16 slack, slacking that we got in the college national championship was due to the SEC grind and it wearing us down. Well, Dabo Sweeney hears about it, and uh, he told, he talked to it to uh, ESPN about it, and he said this, quote, Listen, the SEC is a great conference, but I don't think they've been as deep as the last few years. I think they've had two or three really good teams that it's kind of hit or miss. It's an awesome league for sure, and I know people say that Alabama was tired because they went through the grind and had to play all these teams. He continues, well, they won by an average of 33.5 points per game. So they ought to be well-rested. My thing on that is, are you serious? They're, they're tired? Then you look at Clemson, and we won 12 games by 20-plus points. Who really challenged Alabama in the SEC? They didn't get challenged by anybody until the Georgia game for the SEC championship. End quote. Uh, interesting thoughts there. I don't think he's fully correct. The SEC, or excuse me, the ACC is much weaker than the SEC, whether it's the West or the East. It is absolutely much weaker. You take the bottom of the SEC and you put them versus, heck, middle of the pack of the ACC, and I'd say the SEC would win 80% of those games. And for Alabama to dig through it and continue to put themselves in a national championship conversation, at least in this College Four playoff, uh, he's 
I'm on Saban's side. It is a grind, and the ACC is not a grind right now. In fact, I would put in conference-wise, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, ACC. Did I miss a call? I forget. Oh, yeah, Pac-12, huh? So, yeah, I go SEC, Big 12, Big 10, ACC, Pac-12. So, I, I mean, look, Clemson playing Syracuse isn't that great of a challenge. Alabama playing at Ole Miss is a challenge. Easily. I'll take Ole Miss over Syracuse. <laughs> I'll take Texas A&M over Florida State. Which, by the way, I think Jimbo Fisher's at Texas A&M. Formerly of Florida State. What do you know? Uh, I'll take a chunk of the SEC team's middle-lower pack over the ACC team's middle-lower pack. Uh... By the way, Saban, or excuse me, Double Sweeney uh, continues here. I got to read this quote. Uh, people got people get amnesia. A lot of folks make a lot of bold claims early in the year that they forget, and there's a lot of excuses when it doesn't go that way. Five, six, or seven years ago, the re- the rhetoric was that an ACC team is not going to win a national championship because they don't play anybody during the season. That's actually true. So then they get to the postseason or just not prepared for the big bad boys. Well. Now they flipped it around, and the only reason we're winning is because we don't play anybody in the ACC. You don't just come out of a soft conference and haven't played anybody, and all of a sudden you go out and beat Notre Dame and Alabama. I mean, give me a break. Now, that happens in other conferences. I've seen that people that get propped up, and then I watch the tape and go, they ain't played what we've played. Dabo, you don't play the schedule that Alabama plays. In fact, you don't play the schedule that BYU plays. BYU schedule is tougher than Clemson's schedule. Notre Dame's schedule is tougher than Clemson's schedule. So yes, they do play the teams that you play. In fact, they play better teams that you play. Syracuse is not on the level of USC. I'm going to be flat out honest. Washington is on a higher level than Syracuse. Washington is on a higher level than... Florida State. Easily. Easily. In fact, when I let's you know what, let's look at the conference really quickly in the ACC. I still want to get this wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I look in in Clemson's division, which is the Atlantic, you have Boston College, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, Syracuse, Wake Forest. That's Clemson's division. The coastal division, still on the other side of the ocean, or lake, is Duke, Georgia Tech, Miami, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. In basketball, the ACC absolutely tears the SEC apart. But we are talking about football. And I will take the Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC over the ACC anytime. So the whole part of they ain't played what we've played, you're right. They've played harder than what you've played. Clemson doesn't play anybody, you guys. Clemson doesn't play anybody. In fact, let's look at their... Oh, shoot. I was going to look at their schedule here. Hold on. Hold on. Give me one sec here. We're on the fly. I want to look at Clemson's schedule. Okay, Clemson's 2019 schedule... (laughs) 
Oh, man. Okay, their 2019 schedule is this. Georgia Tech at home. Texas A&M at home. Syracuse on the road. Charlotte at home. North Carolina on the road. Home against Florida State. Louisville on the road. Boston College and Wolford at home. At NC State. Wake Forest at home at South Carolina. They absolutely got nobody, you guys. They got nobody on their schedule. That is horrible. Now, meanwhile, let's say, I know what, since we're talking Alabama, we'll put Alabama on the other side of it. Okay? Alabama's schedule, not much better <laughs> besides their conference. Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern, Mes- Southern Methodist, Ole Miss at Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Arkansas at home as, oh my gosh. As is LSU, in fact, after Tennessee and Arkansas, they get a bye, then they get LSU. At Mississippi State versus Western Charlotte University. Is that who that is? Some unknown Division I school, and then at Auburn. Okay, so Alabama's 2019 schedule is full of cupcakes with frosting on top. But their conference is better than the ACC's conference. Hands down, bar none. Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, and Tennessee are better than Georgia Tech, Virginia, Louisville, North Carolina, and Duke. Right? I mean, so the whole, I mean, again, maybe I'm just off my rocker, but I'll take the SEC conference over the ACC. In fact, I will take the, as I've already noted, I'll take. Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, all over the ACC. Joining me here in studio, he's back from day six of the Utah State Aggie football camp. Again, you can go see practices uh, Thursday and Friday. They're closed until the following Saturday when you have Family Football Fun Day at 5 o'clock at Maverick Stadium. It's Eric France and Eric, welcome. Hi, Ajay. How are you? I'm good. Hey, uh, really quickly, before we get to Utah State camp, I'm going to kind of throw you onto the spotlight here. I want to ask you about this whole Davo Sweeney comes out and he well let me first start with this. Nick Saban says, "You know what? The 44-16 beating we can attribute to the tough grind of the SEC schedule." And the games, I mean, in the conference that we play, including the SEC champion itself. Then uh you have to go and play that college four, you know, 14 football playoff whatever. Davo Sweeney comes out and says, "You're full of it." Well, who we play is just as good as what you play. Agree or disagree with Dabo? Um, ooh. Uh, Alabama didn't really have a super tough regular season. I mean, the LSU was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Ole Miss was in there. Um, I mean, they... I'm pulling up their schedule right now from last year. They did play and in the regular season. I'm not going to look at the conference championship. Okay. But fair enough. In their regular season, uh they played against three ranked teams. So not not I mean super super hard, but I mean three teams in the top 25, then they played Georgia in the conference championship game and they were a top 5 team. Then they turn around and play Oklahoma, which is another top five team, and then they faced Clemson. 
So. Okay, so. Uh, look, maybe, I mean, I, I get. Okay, I get so, what Dabo's saying, though. Because. Sure. Uh, because, look, Alabama, they were a really good team last year, and they had huge leads on a lot of teams. So to say that they went through a grind and say they had this super hard schedule, I don't know that I buy that. Okay, but here's the thing is 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 when I look at Clemson's schedule, it's it's really not over all that overwhelming to me. I mean, I got I've got Georgia Tech, I got A and M, uh, you got Syracuse, Charlotte, North Carolina, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Wolford, NC State, Wake. I take BYU's football schedule over that schedule. What their schedule looks like this year? Yeah. Uh, Eric. I don't know about that. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Look, BYU's, the front part of BYU's schedule is very tough. It's, it is very tough. Their whole entire front schedule is probably tougher than what Clemson's got all together. Look, your front schedule of BYU, Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, Toledo, South Florida on the road, Boise State, Utah State, before they get to the cupcakes of it, of Liberty or Idaho State, UMass, and San Diego State. So they have one, two, three cupcake games. I, I'm not I'm not going to put Toledo in the cupcake area, but I'll put Liberty, UMass, and Idaho State. Meanwhile, Clemson has got Charlotte. I'm going to put North Carolina on that list, Duke on that list, Wofford, and maybe Wake, which is a well, conference Wake, game. Wake Forest was a, a bowl team last year. But last year, uh, Clemson beat them 63-3. to But Clemson's schedule last year featured only two top 25 teams. Yeah. That was N- uh, NC State, which was ranked 16th, and they clobbered them 41-7. to <laughs> And they played number 17, Boston College at the time, and they beat them 27-7. to So Alabama absolutely had a more difficult schedule last year yeah. than Clemson did. Absolutely. I would I would absolutely agree with that. I just, the whole, well, you haven't, you know, who we've played isn't who you played. Well, no, duh. Because we, who Alabama plays is, look, would you rather have Auburn or North Carolina at the end of, or Wake Forest at the end of your schedule? Go figure, right? And, and when I look at this, I mean, tell me this. You look at, we'll go, here, I'll go this. Okay. The bottom half of the SEC East is the final three teams, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, while in the – actually, you know what? Sorry, we'll go in the SEC West because that's where Alabama's division is. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. On the other side, for Clemson, it's NC State, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. Okay. Syracuse – Finished the season last year, fifteenth. Oh okay, fine. Let's do this. Yeah, Syracuse is not fine. a slouch. Texas A and M. Texas A and M's a good team. Mississippi State's pretty darn good. And Ole mm-hmm. Miss, I'd put him right up there with the Miss. I mean, they're about middle of the pack of the SEC. But I'll put a. I'll take a middle of the pack SEC team over a over a middle of the pack ACC team. I mean, I'd put them over. You look at the uh, ACC Coastal Division, Duke, Georgia Tech, Miami, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Vautech, and Virginia. Now, Brock Mendenhall is building something over there, yes. But I still don't think uh, he's better than Florida. I still don't think they're better than Tennessee. Um, that will, I don't know. I think that's debatable. 
Oh, no way. Uh, I think Virginia is a team that is improving a lot. Uh, Tennessee, there's a lot of question there. I don't know how good Tennessee is going to be this year. Yeah. Virginia could be a top 25 team. Tennessee's not going to be a top 25 team. Wait, who'd you say it would be? Virginia? Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll say yes. I will. I will. Uh, I think they beat Pitt. I mean, but they don't play anybody, Eric. W, William, and Mary. Florida State, Old Dominion. They, they do. Get, or they are at Notre Dame. Oh, and they're at Miami. Actually, you know what? They have a pretty good schedule. That's, yeah. They're, they're, that's not a Liberty powder schedule. At home. Yeah. No, they're all right. They're at Louisville. And it's their conference. They can't do anything about that. That's that's not bad, dude. That whole... Them at going to Notre Dame could be really interesting. You know what's crazy is that... Pe- so, when I worked in Salt Lake for radio, man, I found out how many people couldn't stand Brocko Mendenhall in the media and, like, around town. Like, they just couldn't stand Bronco Mendenhall. But yet they bring in Sataki. They're under. I mean, they're barely making five hundred, or breaking even for that point. He fires his offensive coordinator after one year. Bronco Menhall goes to Virginia, and he's winning ball games and he's turning that program around. It's kind of weird how things shake out in the end. Uh, yeah, Bronco Menhall. I was talking to somebody about this just the other day. He just he's an interesting cat. That's what I heard too. He's just an interesting guy. Uh, when he was in college, um, just a just. Hair on fire, defensive guy. Uh, when he when he played, and now it's like uh, the most there was kind guy. of an expectation that he might go to BYU, and he didn't. Um, and so that kind of let some people down. When he became an assistant uh, coach down at New Mexico, man, he was he was known as this crazy wild man. He'd wear shorts when it was super cold and a t shirt. He'd do like these. Crazy like hikes and what? really these Navy SEAL type stuff on the beach, and he was like this wild man. And when he came to you to BYU to be the defensive coordinator, people were excited about this. This guy's going to bring this in- intensity as a defensive coach. And then when he became the head coach, he totally changed. He totally changed, and so I think that he kind of fell into this trap that I think some people down in Provo fall into where they think, oh, I'm in Provo. I'm at BYU. I need to be super spiritual. I need to include a scripture from the Book of Mormon and whenever I talk to people <laughs> and show and illustrate how righteous I am. Hey, and I think that he kind of, for, for some dumb reason, fell into that and then it, it started to affect him and how he dealt with people and how he dealt with a lot of other things and good point. It, it messed him up. And I, I think that uh, it, it really messed things up generally for that football program. And then I think when he's now that he's at Virginia, he doesn't have those shackles on him. I think he can go back to being kind of the – he still has his quirks, don't get me wrong. But I think he can uh, just get back to just coaching football and not worry about all the other With stuff the, that happens down do you the program. Feel, that's a great, great, incredibly good point you bring up, Eric. Do you feel like coaches – have to worry about the other stuff that comes in the package when you come to BYU to be head coach. Like, Kalani Sataki's a great coach. I don't know what happened when he became a head coach, but it just isn't working out. In fact, it's turning out to be a disaster, to be quite honest with you. Is that because of the extra stuff that has to go, or, not? excuse me, 
Is that because of the other stuff that comes a part of the package in regards to the religion? I mean, I don't know if they still do firesides or not, if that's still part of the I, I think Sataki stopped that. Did he stop it? Uh, from what I understand. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. No, no, no. I And I don't know for sure. I know Mendenhall did it, but I was always wondering if that was a big distraction is having that other part of the program attached to you as you're a head coach of a Division One football team independently. Yeah, I think it would be. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I would think that it would be. I think that there's... Uh, you know, there have become expectations and demands on any head coach, but especially with one that um, has the facilities that they do and fan base that they have. Um, you look at a lot of other Power 5 programs, teams that have had some success in the over the years. There's a lot of expectations and, and demands that come on those coaches. But at, at BYU, I think it's such a different. This, because you, it had, is. you entered the religion stuff into it, and suddenly... Uh, there's just a lot of more people making passing judgment on you for reasons well, that have nothing to do with football. Yeah, we'll see. Well, and even in basketball, do you, I mean, do you remember when Jimmer Fredette, Marcus Davies, and this BYU basketball team was e, like Final Four bound? They were that good. And then Marcus Davies gets in trouble because he uh, uh, had sex with his girlfriend, and it's against BYU's policy. Like, if it's at Miami, Florida State, Cal State, Fullerton, California, Washington, nobody's even saying a word. No one even cares. But because it's at BYU, they suspend him. They actually kick him out. Right. It becomes a story. And, and it becomes a story. Any other college campus one of the best anywhere else. Big men in this western side of the states gets kicked off the basketball team come NCAA tournament time, and they get to the Sweet 16 and then get pounced out by, uh, I believe, Florida. So you, you're right. It does. It, ca- it carries extra weight with you. And then I and I couldn't agree more. In fact, I remember when I think it, it, Lavelle Edwards had talked about a little bit about it that it was always bothersome that he couldn't just go to bed one night without a phone call from somebody. Hey, I saw so and so hanging out with this girl after curfew. Hey, I saw so and so, you know, doing this. You know, that's not really part of the religion. I just what? And he said it was nightly. And he said it was more specifically the night before a game almost every single week of his career. He heard something. And he's just like, I just want to be left alone. And I think, in fact, he cracked a joke along with it. He said, man, I couldn't imagine how Jim McMahon would survive on our football team in this day and age. Just no way. <laughs> Absolutely no The way he was able to way. survive then, he, there's no way he would have made it now just no. based on the, the pressure and the tension of, of, of the way the world well, is with, now. Yeah, and with social media. Oh, absolutely. Stuff would get out. But I, I think that um, when you look at some of the things that are going on, there's, college coaches worry about their teams everywhere. They're going to get phone calls for different reasons and they have different expectations they have to try to manage all the time. But it is a different animal down there. More so even than if it was a service academy, I think. Because they have different standards, they have different rules that they have to follow. Um, but there's just, it's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, I, can, I, I would absolutely agree with you. All right, we got to take a break and step aside. Coming back, we're going to get Eric's thoughts on the way practice went today, day six of fall camp. We'll also get into our specific position, which today is the defensive backfield. Again, a lot of good starters. What does the depth chart behind them look like? That's all coming up. Eric Franson, Audrey Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM.
a fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Francis and RJ Salveson. It's four thirty-one on August seventh. It's a third. It's a Wednesday. It's Wednesday all day today. Wednesday all day today. Eric Francis and RJ Salveson on one hundred six on FM thirteen ninety AM. The fan. Two hour shows. We're here until May again. Remember, high school football begins next week. Can you believe that? Next week, Bear River, Preston, Westside, Logan, Mountain Crest, Ridgeline, Skyview, Green Canyon. I feel like I'm missing teams. Jeez. Uh, they all are in action next weekend. We'll give you the best breakdown possible we can for those high school teams. Uh, some coaches are practicing in the evening, which makes it tough for us. We're trying to set up interviews if, if possible. Uh, if not, we'll get the play-by-play guys on too. Ooh. It's, it's made live today. It's live. What's live? Okay, so we've put together you- a consolidated schedule Yeah. for all the high school football teams. Yeah. So you can see... Your favorite school or rival or whatever. Yeah. You can see all of the schools and their schedules in one place. And you can also, it'll also detail how you can listen, what radio station is going to be carrying that school. And there's a link to the online stream. Oh, really? So you can listen online if you can't make it there or if you're not within earshot of a radio. So if grandma or uncle Jimmy want to listen to these games and they're outside the area, they still can. So go to cashvalleydaily.com and go to the menu and where it says sports, another little uh, menu pops out and then hover over where it says local prep sports and there's a link there to local high school football schedule. And if you click on that, we'll share this on 106.9 The Fan uh, Facebook page We'll also share it on our personal Twitter accounts. But if you click on that, it'll take you to the uh, local high school uh, sports schedule, and you'll see a, a column for each school in the region, in Region 11. And we have a broadcast partner designated for each school. <laughs> That's pretty so cool. So you can see it all in one place. Uh, now, there are a few things to note. Most games are Friday nights at 7 o'clock. Now, there are a few exceptions to that. We've got the Rocky Mountain kickoff, which will come up later this month. That'll be August 29th up in the stadium where Utah State plays. That's a really cool opportunity for, for all these kids to do that. So it'll start with Logan versus Preston. That'll kick off at 6. And then, what, about 20, 30 minutes after that game concludes will be Skyview versus Shelley. So a double header in the stadium. And actually, it's not on a Friday. That'll be on a Thursday. It'll be on August 29th. And so Logan actually has two exceptions in their schedule. So they have that Thursday game. And then the following week, they're going to be going down to Las Vegas. They play, it's a tr- kind of a feature that's going on there. Multiple games happening in the area. But they play a team called Desert Pines. They're in the, the Las, Va- Las Vegas area. But the game will actually be played at Bishop Gorman High School, and that'll be at a Saturday afternoon, Saturday at noon. But uh, other than that, all games Fridays at 7 o'clock. So uh, if you want to see what the high school football schedules look like for everybody and just have it in one place, 
easy to see, easy to read, easy to follow, and the details about how to listen to these different teams, it's on cashvalleydaily.com. Go to the sports section in the menu and uh, go over to where it says local prep sports, and that's where you'll find the link to the local high school football schedule. By the way, Eric has teased this a little bit. I'll tease it just a little bit more. Uh, if you liked our rendition of what we did during March for the March Madness Tournament, stay tuned. You might like our newest rendition of what we're going to be doing with high school football if you're looking to win a couple of prizes and try to show the experts up. Stay tuned. That's I can't wait for that. I'm really excited about that whole thing. Yeah, and there's a new cool feature, too, that UHSAA is uh, coming out with that We'll have kind of a ticker for updated scores for our high school sports from all over. We're working on getting that integrated as well. So, so a lot of cool things we've got to, to get everybody aware of what's going on with high school football and get uh, make valid. sure we That's a great way to get, them get everybody behind it. Yes. Uh, by the way, again, we apologize that Mr. Oglesby will not be joining us today. He had an event. He had a late, late, late commitment. And he had to get to that. And so he's going to be joining us tomorrow. That is confirmed. I've just spoke with him just before our show. Uh, again, tomorrow, 4.30, we will, that is a guarantee, we will have Mr. John Oglesby on us, uh, works with, me with us tomorrow at 4.30 here on this very same station with these very same people at this very same time uh, to talk again about transfers, is, should open enrollment be available, and of course about the new RPI playoff system and how it could affect teams, especially teams that win a region championship but don't get rewarded for it. That, oh. There well, could be some controversy. And, and like we just talked about, about these schedules, how do they figure with uh, you play a team from another state? Yeah. So how yeah. do you calculate the RPI yep. for that? Uh, is it weighted so that if you play a team that's higher in classification than you, it, does that give a stronger RPI re- ranking than if you play a team that in a lower classification when you're scheduling teams outside of your region. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how coaches approach this now because those games didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things when you look at wins, losses, and if you get to the playoffs. Now, now every man, game matters. The scheme of things, yeah. Because sometimes coaches, their philosophy would be, look, these, I, I need to get my players ready for this style of football because this team in my region plays this style. So I'm going to go find a team somewhere else that plays this style. I don't care what their win-loss record was, but if they play that style, I want to make sure I'm getting my guys prepped. So I'm going to go play that team to get my guys ready for what might happen in week eight. But now it's very different. It's uh, Maybe you still want to do that, but you have to be a little bit more mindful what that team's record is. Are they going to be good? Are they going to help me? to uh, be in a position to have games after the end of the regular season. Because uh, it used to be your top four teams would go no matter what. But now, you're not guaranteed there's no guarantee at all. Yep, absolutely if you're, not. If you're a really good region and, and, and deep, gosh, you could send five teams. That seems a little, uh, maybe not happening very often, but it, it's possible. Well, I think it depends on the sport. I think, for example, girls basketball, boys basketball could have that chance to send five teams from Region 11. Because you look at that, that middle region between St. George and Northern Utah that features Ben Loman, Ogden, Tooele, Stansbury, uh, uh, Corner Canyon or whatever, Canyon View. I, there's just a bunch of schools. That I'm like, that middle region could really, really struggle in getting teams into this playoff thing. 
And like I said, it's going to cause a ton of controversy. And and uh, John Oglesby, the Utah High School Athletic Association Executive Director, 4.30 tomorrow, will join us to talk about uh, about that. Uh, Eric, uh, you went to day six of uh, Utah State football, football camp. Uh, tell me your notices offensively, defensively, uh, people that stood out to you today. Uh, well, offensively, uh, Jordan Love looks crisp. He just after the first two days, you're kind of like yeah. Oh. But the first few days, like yeah, he looks good. I mean, he does things that most guys can't do, but sometimes he just wasn't quite on target. But he looked great today. Um, he uh, he just throws such a pretty ball; it makes it look effortless. Um, Sione Mariner was uh, Siosi Mariner was getting a lot of work. Um, saw him getting a lot of work. Uh, Scarver saw him in some wide receiver sets. Fast, shifty. Uh, I was impressed with him. Uh, this Warren running back, he got quite a bit of reps with the second unit. Uh, so it was interesting to see him. Uh, and then I saw Nawahine getting some reps with the third unit. Um, and so they were alternating between Nawahine and Burt. There were some times that Burt, uh, Riley Burt, came in there and looked really good. Like you know, a power back that if you need to go just off tackle or something in the middle, he could be the guy to do that. Not really an edge guy that could get around it and just make everybody eat your dust. But uh, the, the Gerald Bright looked good, what he was, what they were asking of him to do. Uh, Carson Terrell was practicing with the ones uh, as mm. tight end. And then I saw another series where it was Caleb Rep who was in there with the ones. I think they're going to mix it up. So, uh, don't don't think that uh, depth chart is set just yet. <laughs> well, that's good, and that tells you how far Carson Terrell's came along. Because I think last year everyone thought of Carson as an afterthought, including myself. I watched him in fall camp, and I was like, "This guy can't catch a ball." I mean, even if it was a balloon, he'd probably drop it. I think I tried to look at the offensive line a little bit as well. They're they've got their hands full right now with who they're trying to block, uh, and it's not so much an indictment against them as much as it is. A, this is a really good defensive front for Utah State, and it's it just got better today. Uh, it became official uh, defensive lineman from Utah. Oh, my gosh. Coming to join the Aggies. He'll have two years of eligibility. Nick Henninger, uh, he was on the sidelines today. He just had a helmet on, didn't have pads. Uh, I think they're probably still clearing some things for him, but he was officially on the sidelines um, and, and so that defensive front for Utah State is really, really good. It's loaded. And it's, it's, it's got deeper. And I think what's nice about this Henninger edition is that uh, the, elig- the years of eligibility that he has. Because there's this a lot of the guys on this, on this defensive front for Utah State are going to be graduating and leaving. But he'll be there as part of that transition and, and adding some depth uh, to that mix. Um. The uh, the the linebackers for Utah State uh, looks like they're still mixing that up a little bit. Besides Woodward, trying to understand who's going to play well alongside him. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw a lot of young out there, um, and he's hard to miss with his long hair. <laughs> but uh, it, it's I think that's a, a unit that's still trying to develop its rotation. Like who's going to be part of the the ones, who's the twos. Uh, and then I also try to look at the secondary. I know that's something that we wanted to focus on is that defensive backfield for Utah State. Um, DJ Williams got beat on a couple plays. Got beat twice yesterday too. Uh, Gunther uh, looks like he's 
playing hard and he's trying hard. He just he looks small. He just he looks small. He's listed at five ten, but I, I don't know if he compared to the guys he was going up against. He just he didn't look that big. Did he look good at all, or is it- he looked active? Um, and Shaq Bond looked good. Um, but there, I've just I've, that's still a unit that I've got to still pay close attention to. Do you think there will be like a hybrid? So John Trail Rockmore played the hybrid position last year. Played it really, really well. Do you think? Do you see anybody being able to do that this year? Well, Gunther kind of did that a little bit. He got moved up into the nickel kind of in, in position a little bit, uh, and some plays and some series that I saw. Um, and he 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 does look active. I'm not trying to knock on him. He just he looked active. Uh, but there was a time where the it was a, a pass out on the flats, or sorry, out on the edges, and it was to Caleb Rep. No, it's Carson Terrell. Sorry, it's Carson Terrell, and he's making a run toward the edge of the sidelines, and Gunther tried to chase him down, and he and he did, and it was a, as soon as he touched him, they blew a whistle and called it dead. But if that was a live game situation, Terrell could have easily just stuck his arm out and sat him down and kept going for another fifteen yards. Huh. Interesting. So, uh, uh it's it's a unit that's we need to keep paying close attention to. Um, I think that there are some playmakers that are there, but I think that uh, what's going to make a big difference for them is that strength of that defensive front because they're going to be so disruptive for opposing quarterbacks that that may force opposing quarterbacks to rush their throws or to hurry into plays that they may not be super comfortable in, which might provide then as a result – provide some opportunities for that secondary to make some plays. Let me ask you, as much with the offensive line, I've seen bright moments and I've seen definitely like just what in the world's going on moments. Would you base that off of experience or just flat out talent on the offensive line? I think it's just experience. I don't think it's so much talent because they got some games I think in their got some, yesterday, last year, didn't they? Yeah, they got they've got guys that were able to get in some quality reps last year. Um, I think it's just that's a unit that just takes time uh, and, and repetition. Um, they didn't look bad today. I thought they were able to give some good protection uh, to the quarterbacks. Um, they would have liked to see some maybe better holes for the running game. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't think they looked bad. Uh, they're just going up against a really good defensive front. <laughs> Even if it's the second unit, yeah. they're going up against a really good defensive front. So uh, I, I just think it's going to take them a little bit of time to get together. As Coach TJ Woods said, it's like marinating a steak. If you want a really good steak, you got to give it time. TJ Woods would know, too, how to be able to marinate a steak. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I would trust him to, to know how to do a good steak. All right. That's Eric Franson. I'm Audrey Salveson. Coming back. We'll talk more Utah State football, getting more of fall camp. Again, you've got Thursday and Friday to see them, and then you will not get to see this football team in pads or at all until next Saturday at 5 p.m. for Football Family Fun Day. Again, on Merlin Olsen Field at Maverick Stadium, 5 p.m. August 17th. Coming up, more Utah State football talk. Again, Eric Franz and AJ Salveson. Uh, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. 
Eric France and Audrey Salas of 449. Your time as we wrap up the first hour of the Full Court Press. That's right. Season 2 is in and already running. Two-hour show. So that's right. We'll be back for 5 to 6 on this very same station. So do not leave your dial after 5 o'clock. We'll be right here. Uh, we'll also be the home of Skyview Sports again. I, and Utah Jazz Basketball Utah again. Utah Jazz Basketball again. And, of course, all your best Aggie coverage, you'll get it nowhere else. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can give you better Aggie coverage than the, well, not the home of the Aggies, but the uh, the most the focused group of the Aggies. The most focused. I yeah, like that. There you go. I, I had to be careful how I said that. I don't want to get myself in trouble. Uh, Erica, you, you're up at fall camp. Day six today, Thursday, Friday, will complete the rest of the open public practices before they are closed until next Saturday. Uh, what things have stood out to you so far in the first six days of camp? Oh, wow. I, I think the one thing that really continues to stand out to me is that when they break into positional units to work on individual drills when they're not doing the different situational scrimmages, Gary Anderson almost always has directly over to the defensive line unit. Really? I noticed this. Uh, he did that when I was there the other day. He did it again today. I haven't uh, really been watching Gary at all, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, so I was when they were doing their breakouts. I was really interested to see where's Gary going to go. Who's he going to spend time with? Hmm. Who is the head coach going to go give his attention? And he was a D line coach at Utah. Am I yes. not mistaken here? Uh huh. So. Uh, he Hit did it. that again today. Spent a lot of time with the defensive line guys. Eric, uh, agree, disagree. But, uh, even when they're doing like simple, like here's the dummy, hit the dummy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's just there working with them, talking to them, hanging out with them. We talked about the new transfer coming in for Utah State football for the defensive line. Him and N have got to be just licking their chops right now, l- seeing the talent that they've got to be able to deal with. Yeah, so if you didn't hadn't heard, the Utah State today announced officially the addition of Nick Henninger. Uh, he will be a junior this fall. He'll be he's eligible to play now. He'll have two years of eligibility, so he's considered a graduate transfer, even though he has an extra year of eligibility. Mm. Uh, six foot two, two hundred forty five pounds. Uh, played on the defensive line. He's from Utah. Went to Bingham High School. Um, he uh, played in 23 games for the Utes, responsible for 13 tackles, uh, a sack, two tackles for loss, two fumble recoveries, two pass breakups, uh, and an academic all-Pac-12 honoree twice. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice addition. Yeah, a nice little resume, doesn't he? Yeah. How many tackles did he average? Does it say how many tackles he averaged? Well, he only had tacks? 13 tackles in okay. his 23 career games. Okay, all right. So... Um, but uh, saw him on the sideline today. He was there, had a helmet on, didn't have pads, but he was there watching, observing. I think they're still just making things official before he can get out there on the field to make things happen. And uh, hasn't been able to participate in a lot of drills yet, so he's got to get his legs underneath him. But um, yeah, it, it's another nice addition. That that defensive front for Utah State has a lot of talent and a lot of depth. So they're going to be very disruptive. Uh, and because of that, it's going to make everything behind them look better. Mm-hmm. The linebackers are going to look better. The secondary is going to look better because that defensive front is going to be so disruptive. And uh, they've got got power and they've got speed um, and uh, they've got depth. So you can rotate guys through. So when they're in there, they're always going strong. So 
that that's another one of the key things that I've observed just in practices. Um, and the, I guess the third thing too is um, how fun it's been watching wide receivers for USU. Yeah, I think there's a there's a, a really interesting variety that's available, and there's a little more depth there than I think I was anticipating coming into the season. Fair enough. All right, we're going to take our final break of the first hour. It's Eric Franson and it's Audrey South. Come back. We'll get you to what you may have missed so far today. Utah Jazz have officially announced a new CEO of Larry H. Miller Company. You won't be surprised when you hear the name. Kevin Durant has some comments on the whole calf injury that came, of course, during the uh, NBA Finals. That's all coming up. Eric Franson, Audrey Salveson. Here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Andre Salas here on the Full Court Press. 455. we got about 60, well, 90 seconds left before we cut chase and get you ready for the second hour of the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, a couple things we got to get to really quickly just to take care of some uh, in-house business. Uh, Larry H. Miller Group has named Steve Starks as a CEO and executive member of the board. Uh, that is effective August 12th of this year, so here just in a few days. Again, Steve Starks, uh, President Starks, uh, will be named as a CEO and executive member of the board. You know, I, I've met him and talked to him a few times very, 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 very stand-up, classy, willing to – he wants to get to know you. You're not just another number to him. You're not just another employee. You're an individual that he cares about. And that's – every time I talk to him, I feel like that's what it was with him, even if he was making fun of me about situational punting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never interacted with him personally, but uh, certainly just observing what he's been able to do with the Utah Jazz organization and some of the other – uh, responsibilities that he has had. Seems like he's a pretty solid guy, pretty stand-up guy, and it has a good head on his shoulders. Interesting to see how that works. As the, the Miller family has been doing some really interesting things with some of the yeah. management of companies. Of course, headline in that whole interesting thing is the trust. The, right. The, the, the team into a fund. I mean, and they were going to be extremely rich if they didn't. I mean, overly stupid rich. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The debut of Hard Knocks with the Oakland Raiders had a little bit of everything. John Gruden being John Gruden, the quarterback playing with his kids, the long shot defensive tackle, rookies doing fun activities like riding horses. There was also a news element with the receiver Antonio Brown trying to deal with foot issues. But you might have expected a little more drama. After all, this is the Raiders. They also have something going on. But Hard Knocks stuck to its formula. On one hand, the show gives incredible access, but also it has a promotional element. It's produced by NFL Films and is about celebrating the sport. Last night, they cut to some great old videos, including the famous poem, The Autumn Wind is a Raider, and a clip of John Madden playing with a blocking sled. Nothing too wild yet so far this preseason, but if you're a fan of the show, it's enough football to scratch that itch, at least for the time being. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.